Ron Ananian. Hey, Dr. Ron. It's yes, great to be able to talk to you today. Thank you. What's cooking? I'm hoping I can take advantage of the Saturday two questions for a dime yep. uh, yeah, special. Two, 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 well, it's actually two for a nickel. Oh, so wow. It's, it's, two for, even, it's two for a dime on holidays. That's the even, holiday rate. Even better. Now, if you ever plan the motor west, travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I'll get your kicks on route. The Car Doctor. Based on your guidance, uh, I have a trusted local mechanic who's probably just saved me $5,000. He told me that there was a leak coming from the rear engine oil seal. So they ended up replacing the entire transmission uh, under warranty. Thank goodness. Kind of makes a case for doing maintenance on a regular basis, right? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. hey Welcome and start your engines. Ronnie Andy, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Um, real quick conversation, cardoctorshow.com, by the way, and all the podcasting and all the usual things that you guys want to do. And we're glad that you do that and uh, take us with you wherever you want to go. And live streaming also from cardoctorshow.com as well. Uh, real quick, I just want to make this one quick comment. Somebody's, you know, you guys are always, hey, how can we have so many scan tools? O3 Lexus came into the shop this past week. And it had a problem where it was only idling at 360 RPM. So it had a low idle, a stalling condition. The ABS and VSC, vehicle stability control lights, were on. And the vehicle was just not itself. The transmission had a delayed upshift, and it wouldn't downshift properly, and it was just a mess. Came to us from another repair shop. They had sent it out to another shop, and they everybody was trying to fix this car. And went round and round and round. Nobody got anywhere. What ended up, I start with the basics, right? We always, we start at the beginning. I tried scanning for codes. I scanned codes. There were no fault codes in this vehicle. Nothing, not a zip. I got ABS and VSC lights on, and I got a car that doesn't run worth a hoot. Where do you go? Back to basics, brother. All right? Got a low idle complaint, got a stalling condition. You know what? Just for giggles, let's try and do a, let's try and do a battery relearn. Let's do a reset on the PCM. And disconnect the battery, and you know we put the the, the um, uh, 15 ohm. I'm sorry, not the 15 ohm, the uh, 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 1500 or the 10 ohm one watt wire. I'm sorry, 10 ohm one watt wire in between the cables and uh, bleed the memory down. And while that was off, I looked at the throttle body. The throttle body was dirtier than Tom. All right, Tom needs a bath today. He was he was sweeping the floors and cleaning up, so he's Tom's pretty dirty today, but. The throttle body in this car was dirtier than Tom. Cleaned the throttle body, took out a pile of crud where the plate meets the bore housing, started it up, idle was perfect. Idled great, up and down. Transmission shifted right. Look at this. Holy cow. The trans shifted right after a relearn. So whatever they did, they confused the trans and made it worse. And all everybody was trying to do was fix the ABS and VSC lights. Uh, anti-lock brake and vehicle stability control. So uh, I'm halfway there. Gee, how am I going to get the rest of the way? Okay, why can those lights be on with no fault codes? Anybody want to guess? Raise your hands. Show of hands. Nope, nobody's got it. I can't see any hands from where I'm sitting. So Tony's got a question. Yes, Tony. No, Tony doesn't have the answer. All right. Next time you sit in the front of the room, young man. So turns out that in 03, like a lot of Toyota Lexus of this generation, when you get a 
when you get a an ABS VSC light on, the yaw sensor, you know, the tilt down back in the front problem at um, you know the yaw sensor needs to be recalibrated. Recalibrated the yaw sensor, the light went out, the car's fixed. Moral to the story, it only took me three scan tools to get the job done because this one didn't do this, this one didn't do that, and I needed to go to the OE level scan tool to finally see everything I needed to see. So sometimes you got to have all the tools to do all the job. Point is, the car got fixed. Anyway, moving on. Let's uh, let's get the phones going because Tom's looking at me going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I don't upset Tom. He's upset enough today being dirty. Let's go over. Is uh, Who is that in Tennessee? I can't read the name. Is that Say that, Tony. Josiah. 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 I'm sorry. Josiah in Tennessee, 94 Silverado. What can I do for you today, brother? Um, yes, sir. I was asking, I was curious how I could adjust the valves on it. Okay. The, um, tell me a little bit, what, 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 what makes you think you need a valve adjustment? Um, I, I changed the head gaskets on it, and uh, I'm putting it back on because I, I had to take the push rods out. But when I was, uh, I put, put them back on and put number one on top dead center of compression and everything and adjusted the valves the way the repair manual was saying and then um but when i go to start it, it it's like it binds up in spot and okay then it'll, so it'll turn good. L- let me ask you this how do you know you're in number one position well i i watched both the uh intake and exhaust valves and i was watching for the intake to close and i had and i was watching the vibration damper too okay the, Mark on that. So both push rods are flat or down, and 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 the balancers in the top dead center position for 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 number one is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, and then what does the what does the manual tell you after that? You can because you can adjust certain valves with it in that position. You know, exhaust right. is exhaust is one three four and eight, and if I remember right, intakes are one two five and seven, and then it's the opposite when you bring it around 180 degrees to go to number six firing position. Is your yeah. question more about how do you actually physically adjust the valve? Well, I, well, I did when I did that. According to to what the book was saying, it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm nervous. I'm no. It's okay, on. brother. Take a breath. But uh, um, when once I did all that, it, it still won't. It won't. Uh, it won't start. It's like the valves are too tight or something. All right. So here, let's let's so, let's let's make this a one cylinder engine. All right. Let's make this easy. It's a one-cylinder engine. You've got it. In, you've got it on number one, top dead center in the firing position. Both push rods are down flat, right? Yes, sir. So they're off the cam lobe. They're 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 down off the lobe. All right. Yes. You, you've seen a camshaft, Josiah. You know what I'm saying when I say they're down off the lobe. Yes, sir. Okay. So now you're going to take that and you're going to tighten the rocker. By the way, I I'm assuming, which is dangerous. This is a 350. This is a 57 in this Silverado. Yes, sir. All right. So you're going to take you're going to take your I believe five eighths nut up top there, and yes. you're going to tighten that rocker arm nut until there's zero lash in the push rod, meaning that you know the, the rocker arm's got some slop and wiggle in it, and you can spin the push rod. You want to snug it down until it just starts to get tight. That's when you're just what they're looking for is they're looking for you not to push the valve open, and they're looking for you not to have any play or slop where the rocker arm meets the push rod. That means the push rod is now just touching the lifter and the rocker equal pressure. 
without depressing uh, the lifter. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. That's what they mean by zero lash. Okay? Okay. A, a, a hydraulic lifter is a plunger inside of a steel barrel. All right? Mm -hmm. Do you have, you have two garbage cans in the house that fit inside of each other? Maybe. Well, maybe. Know. The idea is if you, took, if you took the bigger can and put the small one in it, Zero lash would be where the small can's all the way at the top of the bigger can. They want you to set the push rod so that when you tighten the push rod, that next, because the next step is tighten the push rod one full turn, right? Well, the, the way, I, I don't believe mine has hydraulic lifters, but it, it was saying twist, take my index and my thumb, and uh, index finger my thumb, and twist it till I feel a little bit of drag and then additional three-quarter turns yeah that's it that's what that's what they're calling for you know okay. between three quarters and, and, a, and a full turn but the idea is you want to set that lifter you want to set the small garbage can into the middle of the big garbage can that's mid-stroke of the lifter if you, if you want to think okay. of it like that all right all right so take my email josiah you have my email ron at cardoctorshow.com Okay. All right. If Sorry. if if you if if you have a problem with procedure, email me later on today or tomorrow, and I'll dig up a procedure for you and I'll email it to you. But that's basically what it is. I just want to make sure your information is correct. Now, going on to why the engine doesn't crank over. All right. And you could be a little loose. You know, you can be a little loose once you get this to start and run. The lifters, the the valves are going to clatter a little bit, and you can adjust the valves while it's running. If this is a hydraulic lifter small block Chevy, which it sounds like it is, you can adjust the valves with this engine running all day long. Yes. All right? You're going to get oil all over the place. You can go down to your local auto parts store and buy some rocker arm clips, keep the oil from splashing around. But it's the idea that you can adjust it while it's running. My concern is, is the engine binding and not turning over because of the valve adjustment, or is there something else wrong? Yes. All right? So the other okay. thing you've got to think about is, could you have put the head gasket on wrong? Could there be coolant in one of the cylinders? Can you, no, ma I, can you manually I, crank this engine over by hand? Yes, sir. I can turn the crank, and it, but um, it, it is sort of tight. I took all the spark plugs out and tried cranking it, and I couldn't get Because before, that was the reason why it was binding up before, because it was hydrolocked, and I took the, all the plugs out. And the first time before I replaced the head gaskets, and sure enough, coolant shot out. I think number one and, and number, or maybe number three and number four. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter which ones, but you got coolant out. So is there, is there, if you take the plugs out now and crank it by hand, does it crank by hand? Yes, sir, it will. It will. Okay. So if we, if, if you go to crank it using, the engine using the starter, will it crank using the starter with the plugs out? It will, but it, it's still like it's, it's bound up somewhat. So does it crank different using the starter than it does by doing it by hand? with a, with a uh, When I say by hand, I mean you've got a, a, a ratchet and a socket on the front of the crank bolt. Yes, sir. It cranks differently. Well, it... Um, I, I, I don't I don't really know what you mean by that. I know it's it's hard to it's hard to turn, but All right, I'll tell you what, Josiah. Sit tight for a minute. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to catch your breath. All right, when we come back, I'm gonna get rid of everybody else. It's just gonna be you and me talking about cars 
uh, over the phone. So you sit tight, catch your breath, and I'll be back right after this. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Don't go away. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Yo, Sai, you there, babe? Yes, sir, I'm here. Okay, so here's the deal, and I got everybody else, just you and me. Take the spark plugs out of the motor, put a wrench on the front of the engine, all right, um, and crank it by hand using a ratchet, and you know, using a breaker bar, or a ratchet, and a socket. Can you do that? Have you done that? Yes, sir. And the engine cranks normally? Yes, sir. It, it'll well. It, it it's still it's still real. It's going to be a little hard, but it's so. So there is a binding here. What I'm trying to establish yeah. is there a mechanical binding, or is this something related to either water in the cylinder with the spark plugs in it, or perhaps a starter issue, or perhaps a flywheel issue? So you're saying with the spark plugs out, a ratchet. And a socket on the front bolt of the crankshaft, this engine feels like it's binding as you crank it over. Yes, sir. Okay. What made you pull the heads off? Why'd you put head gaskets in this? The the the, the head gaskets was leaking and it, it the engine was hydrolocked. Okay. So, and it it, would, it was completely All right. wouldn't do nothing. So when when you pulled the heads, did you crank this engine around and make sure all the pistons came up to the top of the deck? Yes, sir, they did. They did, so we don't have a bent connecting rod here. No, sir. Then we're looking for something else that's causing a mechanical bind in this engine. It's as simple as that. Okay. All right? Try this, all right? If you think it's valves, if you think you've got the valves too tight, back off all the rocker nuts. Make them loose. Leave the spark plugs out. All right? With the, with, the spark, right. with the spark plugs out, the, the cam's going to go up and down. It's not going to move anything. It won't move the valves. Does this engine bind cranking it by hand with the plugs out and the valves backed off? If the answer is yes, there's something mechanically wrong with the engine or in the transmission. In that case, if it's an automatic, if you can get access to the converter bolts, slide the torque converter forward. Now you've got just a basic engine, no valve train, no spark plugs in it crank it over does it crank if it's binding still there's something wrong with the bottom end of the engine okay if it doesn't then you've got to work your way out adding things back figuring out where does the problem happen if the problem happens when you adjust the valves then somehow you're adjusting the valves way too tight because to get it to bind as a result of valve adjustment takes quite a bit of doing all right okay. do those things call sure. me next week all right Yesiah. Thank you. All right, let's go over and talk to Steve in Virginia. Some questions about trans fluids. Steve, welcome. You're on the car, doctor. What's cooking? Yeah, Ron. I hear there are two types of uh, trans fluid exchange machines. One just does uh, exchange of the old fluid. The other introduces a cycle with some detergent. I think that's a BG machine. Uh, the detergent runs through the transmission, and then the detergent and any old fluid is removed and then the new fluid is introduced which one do you use which one do you think is better I use the one without detergent Stevie 
And truth be told, we don't do nearly as many trans exchanges as we once did, simply because the cars are getting so much more difficult to hook up and connect to. It requires an army of adapters. In my mind, I don't like the idea of the detergent because how many detergents are going to be out there? The detergents have to be different just as the trans fluids are different. All right, there's there's probably no less than nine different types of trans fluids in the shop right now in stock, and we use way more than that. We order some others in on a specialty basis. So I think if the concern is, you know, we want to clean up the trans fluid, I think just getting it out, either doing a straight exchange or a drain and fill is the way to go. I, I think if the trans, if the detergent has to be used, how dirty is the trans, and how much are we going to upset? Because you have to remember how an automatic transmission works. An automatic transmission is all hydraulic circuits and very, very fine orifices and passageways, smaller than the eye of a needle. We start breaking all this debris loose and this grit and contaminant loose. I don't care how good the detergent is. All right, It's not going to break everything down, and sooner or later you're going to end up with trans problems. I'll say it like this. I think some of these trans companies or some of these fluid handling companies are coming up with some very creative ways to flush a lot more than just transmissions, i.e. wallets, all right? Yeah. And, you know, if, if this is a case of, and I'm just guessing, that perhaps someone's going to a dealership at the 50,000, 60,000-mile mark or an independent repair shop at the 50,000, 60,000-mile mark and they're being told they need a trans fluid detergent flush, you know what? I think uh, I think that's overkill. I don't know that we need to do it that way. I'd really have to see some results. I'd like to see them take that detergent flush and flush a 200,000-mile transmission that's been serviced regularly and see what the results might be. I don't think it's going to be beneficial. Um, I, I, just, I, I just don't see the point. Does that answer your question for you? It does. And my last Honda was just fluid exchanges every 24 30 and the transmission went 300,000 miles right and I think that's and I think that's the key Stevie I really do I think um, I think doing it at that level is is really that's all you need to do and in that case it's it's just as important to do it with the correct fluid appreciate the call Steve and I'll look forward to more I'm running Annie the car doctor we are back right after this. Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Podcasting, streaming, and uh, Tom Ray's personal home phone number, so you can call him up at home. Try two in the morning. That He loves getting up early, going, huh? and uh, telling him what's wrong with the podcast, should there ever be something. Let's go over and talk to Ralph in Maine, an update on the 83 Camaro carburetor rebuild. Ralph, welcome back, sir. What's going on? Hi. Uh, well, I heeded your call. I, I listened to the previous uh, show after me the following week, and you talked to John from Smith's Auto Tech. Yep. Well, I made a connection with him. Cool. So he very enlightened me about those carburetors, and actually what I ended up finding was it was an ignition problem. Okay. All right. I like that. Well, and that's why I think when we were having the conversation, I said, are we sure we've eliminated everything besides the car? Right. Well, the, the wires that were in there were, were fresh wires. But I obviously had a bad one in, in one in a group of them, and he uh, John enlightened me about routing them, make sure they were routed correctly, and all that. Yeah. And I did make the connection with him, and I am going to take my original carburetor up to him. Yep. Uh, to, to to put that back on, so I figured I'd let you know. Yeah, I, I did look up. 
I, I, I've spoken. I spoken to John on the phone. John's a good guy. I like John. Oh, very, very enlightened. I spoke to him over a half hour. I, yeah. I called him that month. It gets rebroadcasted up here in Maine on on Sunday. So that following morning, I listened to the podcast, the the, the radio show, a couple of times because I couldn't catch his name. And then I Googled him, and he was the first one to come up. I gave him a call that Monday morning, and. We were on the phone for a good 45 minutes. Yeah, ask him how he straightens the carbs. I don't remember if we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I heard that. I listened yeah. to the whole show. I yeah. heard that. With the, the pizza the, oven, The pizza right? oven. I thought that was great. Um, real, <laughs> yeah, I did, too. Real, real, did too. real I mean, old he, school stuff. Yeah. He told me to make sure I routed the wires correctly and all that, and I took it out actually Thursday, and it ran like I know it was supposed to run. So, so I took it out, got on it, and it ran fine. So so wait a minute. You mean you had a new part that was no good? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> what, is, what does new stand for, Ralph? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Never, ever worked, brother. You. I'm telling never, you. Never, ever worked. Yeah, never, no, ever worked. I, had a, I, I yanked out all the wires and put a new set in, and it, it ran perfect. Cool beans. All right, well, listen, I'm glad for you. And, uh, you know, John's a good guy. You tell him we said hey, and if you need anything else, you give us a call back. No, and I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to make a connection with him. Um, I'm, I dug out my old, my original, because the first thing he asked me, do you have the original carb? And I, yeah. I told him yes. He said, well, that's the one you want to put back on. I right. said, okay. Yeah. I said, I'm going to bring it up to you. I mean, but the one that I put on is running fine, but I'll keep that one as a spare and get the original one and put the original one back on, cool. on and get it, you know. Good. So it'll be all original to the car. Good. But I, and I want to give you another note. I did find the fellow you were talking about down south, I think it was South Carolina. Yep, Jeff Drebus. Is he still doing it? Well, yeah, and he's listed as, if you go on to his website, he's oldcarbdoctor.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, but he doesn't do. Unfortunately, he doesn't do the feedback. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought. I kind of thought not. that. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, but he's still around. Yeah, he's still around. All right. Yep. All right, kiddo. Listen, you have a good rest of the day and the weekend, and uh, thanks for tuning us in. Yep. Thank you. You're very welcome. You take good care. Let's get over and talk to Dave from New York. New York. New York. A heck of a town. What's going on, David? <laughs> Ninety-nine Honda Accord. How can I help today, sir? How are you, Ron? Good. What's um, going on? I got the kids out working on their cars, and my, my daughter's boyfriend comes over with a 99 Accord to do an oil change. And my son's out there. He's going to help him. And I come walking out of the office, and I look, and I say, oh, the coolant tank looks a little low. And I open it up, and it's filled with oil. And I'm like, boy, this doesn't look good. Mm. And all the heater hoses are swelled up, like from just the oil penetrating them. And we open up the the, you know, the radiator cap, and it looks like chocolate milk inside. Four-cylinder? Four-cylinder VTEC. Okay. So it's, it's, and I said, oh, my God, look, it looks like you got a blown head gasket, but, you know, I can't be 100% sure that the car drove in. It didn't make any noise when it came in. It wasn't blowing any smoke, the usuals, you know. I tell my, my son, I go, check the oil. He pulls the dipstick out. There's nothing on it. Well, at least we know where the oil went. Right, <laughs> right, right. So we, we put oil in it. We put some used oil in it because we knew it was, you know, pretty much terminal at this point. So we put some of my waste oil in there, fired the car up. It was running. Um, then I did a compression check on it. I had 210 in every cylinder, so I know it's not a head gasket. Right. And I started looking around online, and I see that Honda may have 
a defective part. Like no, that can't be. It's be Honda. Unbelievable, right? Yeah, how could that happen? <laughs> you know, but you know, if it was General Motors putting transmissions together, we would have roasted them seven times over, and it would have been on the front page of the New York Times. Uh, yeah, no Honda about. does have some problems with the four cylinders. Uh, we have seen it also on some of the sixes, but not nearly as common. But they've got a problem where there is a, um, uh, um, a cracks, the, the, there's a crack in the cylinder block, a casting flaw, and it's allowing oil to transfer into the cooling system. So, yeah, not, I heard some people say porosity, but how do you fix it? Uh, well, it's called lift the engine out and put a new engine in. That's and it, huh? up, up, up to a certain point, Honda was warrantying them, but I think that car is probably too old at this stage. It's 18 going on 19 years old. So, With 220,000 miles. Right. So their answer is going to be, hey, you got your money's worth out of it. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, but it, it, yeah, the it, kid just bought it like he bought it about eight months ago yeah. for 1200 bucks. Right. Well, he got his money's worth out of it. The good news is if, <laughs> at, at, at 200 a month, that was a car payment for six months. He got three months free out of it. You know, it is, yeah. it is probably worth a phone call to American Honda for the kid just to say, hey, I bought this used Honda on basis of reliability. And he's got to make the call or somebody's got to make the call on his behalf. And explain, you know, my son bought this car on the, on, on the basis of their quality, and he's just starting out driving. I wanted to get him used to driving a Honda so he'll drive one for the rest of his life. Let them All get right. the idea this is about retaining a future customer. And mm -hmm. you know what? Maybe they'll... Uh Maybe they'll actually respond, you know, but I doubt it. Okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath, but that is that yeah. is the most common thing, yes, sir. Um, as long as it's engine oil. You know, the, the other possibility this could be is that it's trans fluid, that the trans cooler in the bottom of the radiator went south, but at that point you'd be telling me that the transmission fluid looked like a strawberry milkshake and it had engine oil in it. All right. No, so it looks good. Yeah, yeah, it's if it's not trans fluid, then it's engine oil, and I'm going to tell you that it's porosity of the block or a crack in the block. Very common for the four cylinder Hondas of that era. Now, how long do you think it'll keep going? The kid keeps driving it. No. He he's going to he's, he's, he's wash all the hard metal out of the bearings, and you know, at some point, have engine failure. So, uh, you know, that's what's funny. The oil doesn't go. The water doesn't go into the oil. Right. Right, it depends which way when the pressure is greater. You check the oil, it's fine. Yeah, it depends on which way the pressure is greater and how the leak works. Right, the pressure is greater until right. it goes. You know, I tell them to keep putting oil in it, and you don't have to put cooling in it. Well, and, 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 you know, there's there's two ways to look at this. One of them's humorous. Is he the guy dating your daughter? Yeah. Well, then, then your daughter can't ride in the car and be out late past 10 o'clock, because if it breaks down, yeah, you don't want right. to go out and get her because it'll be late. The, the serious side is he could be somewhere and have the engine break down. And if he's running through the bad part of town to get to the good part of town, he could be in a bad spot and be and, and be in danger. So that's a concern. All right. And, yeah. You know, sometimes you got to explain that to the younger drivers. You want kids to have a good driving experience so they continue to drive. It's important. Right. And they've got to be safe. All right, David. Thanks, Ron. You're very welcome, sir. Good luck, and uh, you got to put on. You have to put on your father Dave collar and sort of sit down and give him the pep talk and uh, try and walk him through it. I admire you for what you're doing. Thank you very much. Helping the next generation. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Hey, I'm coming right back. Don't go away. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Let's do some emails real quick. Ron, on April 28th, this is from uh, William Slate. I think William's up in uh, Connecticut, if I remember right. On April 28th, I took my 2015 Mustang to the Ford dealer for an oil change and tire rotation. Today, when walking to my car... 
in the garage at my office, I saw a lug nut on top of a garbage can. Uh-oh, I don't like the way this is sounding. Although hundreds of other cars park in the garage, I had a suspicion. Yeah, me too, Bill. Sure enough, the lug nut matched one missing from my right front wheel. But the story doesn't end there. I figured I would reattach the lug nut and drive home. I plan to then take the car to the dealer tomorrow after cleaning out my trunk and getting to the buried Ford lug wrench. You ever notice how that happens? That's like babies always come at 3 in the morning when the gas tank's empty, and the lug wrench is always buried under four tons of stuff that you never use anyway, but you have to have because you have to have it. I discovered the lug wrench in the trunk did not fit the original equipment lug nuts. I thus had to drive home with only four nuts on the wheel. For all I know, the lug nut had fallen off several days ago. Is there any chance significant damage was done? Um, as long as the other lug nuts are tight, Bill, I'm going to say no. The you know, the, the I've got a couple of concerns here. Number one, how tight are the other lug nuts? And hopefully you tighten those. That's number one. Number two, um, why doesn't the lug wrench fit the nuts? What's, what's missing there? You've got to have a lug wrench that fits and works because otherwise that's going to be a problem. Um, you know, somewhere you get a flat. So anyway, that's it. Get uh, get it to the dealer. Let them look at it. But I think you'll probably be okay. But I'd get the rest of it straightened out. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go over and talk to Dan in Delaware with some questions about engine life and oil consumption. Dan, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, hey, hey thank you. I've got a 97 Toyota uh, truck. I've got about 200,000 miles on it. Uh, it's not really using any oil. Uh, now, this particular truck, I did have a head gasket that needed to uh, re- be replaced at about 100,000. Okay. Is there a way, I want to keep the truck, um, but how do I know or how do I get a gauge of how long is an engine going to last? When I hear people say, well, how many miles you got? You know, can you get out of an engine? Um, is there a way to predict it? It's reasonable as- care and caution, all right? I, I, I always like to think taking care of the car is kind of like taking care of yourself, all right? You know, eat right, exercise. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be the cliche television commercial, right? You know, eat right, exercise, don't drink, don't smoke, um, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Yada, yada, yada. Same thing with a car, all right? We all drink a little, and we all smoke a little, and I get that. You know, we, also, we, all, we all abuse the car a little bit, too. I mean, it's human nature. So it, it comes back to changing the oil, um, you know, coolants, fluids, other things, uh, looking the vehicle over on a regular basis. And there's no reason you can't expect 300,000 miles out of the average engine today, all right? I don't think that's out of the realm. Transmissions are another story. Um, I still don't, and, and I hear it all the time, that transmissions are going longer, but, you know, I expect a car in the 150 to 200,000-mile mark to need a transmission and automatic. Um, do they go longer? Sure. But it seems like we're asking them to do more and more, and it makes them a little bit more fragile, and they don't stand up to the abuse as well, if, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, engine the, or even transmission, the, the, when you get an oil analysis, are they worth it, in your opinion? Do they Are they a predictor or indicator? Well, let me ask you this. So you, if, you, if you took it in for its next oil change and you got an oil analysis done and it said it showed bearing material in the engine, what would you do about it? Okay. Right? Um, that sounds a little con- more concerning, yeah, you, than, you know, uh, as opposed to right. at, at, like at, an antifreeze. Or... Right. Well, at that point, but even if you found antifreeze in it, what would you do? It's not like you're going to take the engine out and repair it, you're, or you just might get rid of the truck, but then what's a... You know, a couple of year old Toyota with two hundred thousand miles on it worth anyway. I don't think the analysis is the way to go. You want to use it once a year just okay. to see what the wear level is. Great. You know what? Go to the doctor, get a physical once a year. Let them tell you how your blood rate, your heart rate, your your or, and your cholesterol is. Great. All right. Fluids, all of them. Oil, trans, coolant, proper fuel, consistent fueling. Same brand, same blend, same octane. Uh, some fuel system cleaner helps longevity. 
you know, and then looking at the rest of the vehicle. Don't focus on just the yeah. engine and the trans. People tend to do that, and they don't pay attention to the brakes, the suspension, the front end. And, you know, it's got to be balanced. It's you got to look at the vehicle as a whole, just like you look at your body as a whole and take care of everything. Um, so just keep that in mind. Dan, I appreciate the call and the thoughts, and uh, uh, thanks for tuning us in down there in Delaware. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, back right after this. Hey, let's get right back into it, Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to Mike in Maryland. Mike, we got two minutes. What do you got, babe? Yeah, real quick. I got a Chrysler 300 Touring, and I bought a new battery to go in it. It did fine for three or four days, but the fourth day went out in the one morning and tried to start her. Went the okay, so towed, put a new battery in again. Three days started fine. Fourth day, but okay, I jump started her both times and she took right off after jump starting. What could be going on? Um, just cover the basics first. Did anybody check the charging system to make sure it's charging properly? Well, no, nobody's checked anything yet. All right, so just replacing the battery. Right. So that's that's on the list. All right, it's probably okay, but let's just make sure. All right, the, but it sounds okay. more like you've got a battery drain going on. So, in other words, you take the key out, put it in your pocket, walk away from the car. The headlights are off. Everything visible is off, but there's still mm -hmm. an electrical draw somewhere. So, what they mm -hmm. will what they will need to do is a current draw test. All right. Okay. Now, industry standard is 50 milliamps. Is cons it has to be 50 milliamps or less to be an acceptable draw level. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to hook the meter up in a draw test status, and they're going to see 50 milliamps right away. The average mm -hmm. car takes 15 to 30 minutes to fall asleep electronically before the reported level drops below 50 milliamps. So this could okay. be this could be you know we've got cars in the shop we'll do a battery that we think we have a draw test on it could take up to an hour to finish the test just to see till it gets to that yeah it's getting crazy man and the newer cars are worse so oh it's awful yeah it's now now you want to get high tech and this is what I love about high tech right you'd be surprised how yeah. many draw tests like I'll get into a car where I I think I've got a draw. One of the neatest mm -hmm. things you can do is, if it, not everybody owns one, but now they've come out with these um, temperature guns, you know, like the, 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 the AC guy uses to point the temperature gun at the, at, the, at the heating duct and the AC duct that shows right. you the thermal image. Use a thermal mm -hmm. image heat gun, point it at a relay box, and you find the one relay that's red hot, that relay stuck on, and that's the draw. You can do a lot of neat things looking for draws and, and get, to the, get to the chase quicker. But where you have to start is with a milliamp draw test looking for low levels of current to see, you know, why is the battery going dead after they do a charging system test and some basics. None of this is difficult for a competent shop. None of this is, is, is hard to deal with. They've just got to go through the motions and go through the basics of the tests. Or you're that one guy that happened to get two bad brand-new batteries in a row in, 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 in which case, you know, it's, um, you know, they've got to deal with the supplier, and that's a whole other story. Mike, I appreciate the call. I wish we had more time to chat. Thanks for being part of the Car Doctor family. I'm Ron Anany, the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.